So a couple weeks ago, we had kind of a kind of a nasty storm. You remember that? Yeah? I know some of you had pictures because you were standing out in your driveway. It's true. Facebook doesn't lie about stuff like that, I'll tell you. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a story about it. Um, we were, um, or I was in, in uh, Panera, right over here on 71st and Garnett, and um, <clears throat> I was talking to my assistant, um, Kelly, on the phone, and as we were talking, it was, it was about lunchtime, if I remember correctly, and so that Panera, by the way, gets really busy at lunchtime. And I was um, sitting there, I was on the phone, we are talking about something, I don't even remember what it was, and everybody's cell phone went off with the National Weather Service alert. Now, there, there's something that happens when that all goes off. First of all, you can hear a pin drop. And next, everyone's like looking around going, is that my phone? <laughs> it's everybody's phone, right? And then, I'm, I, and of, of course, I've stopped talking to, to Kelly, and she goes, are you okay? And I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> Literally three quarters of the, of the entire restaurant got up and walked out all at the same time. And I said, hey, can I call you back? Because <laughs> <laughs> we just had this thing go off, and, and in Oklahoma, when this stuff goes off, we, we pay attention to that kind of stuff. She goes, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. So I, I gather up all my gear, because I usually have a lot of it. If you've seen my stuff, I usually have three or four bags, or you know, and it's all spread out all over the place. And <clears throat> so I'm gathering this stuff up, and I'm looking out the window of Panera, and it's bright and sunny. And I'm thinking, huh? So I go trotting out into the parking lot, <clears throat> and I call my wife, and as I'm talking with her on the phone, I look to the west. Oh my, <laughs> there's this line in the sky where it's bright sunshine and then like impending darkness of the abyss is <laughs> coming this way and it's moving quite rapidly. And um, I asked my wife, I said, okay, did you get that alert? She goes, yeah, we're, we're getting stuff together to get ready to go into the, the shelter. We call it the rabbit hole. Um, it's out in the back part of our, our house and so we were you know, we're, we'll, we'll be ready to go. And I said, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to head home. Because <laughs> at that point, nobody knew um, if it was one tornado or multiple tornadoes or straight line winds. or you know, Nobody knew any of that kind of stuff. And I said, all right, I'll do it. Now, um, Thrive Church just bought this really big pickup truck. In fact, we call it Bear because it's so big. And it's parked out here. You can see it. And we, we bought Bear because we, we have this gigantic trailer full of stuff that we're going to be pulling with it. And, and it just so happened that I had Bear that day. And I got into, got into the truck. Sorry, I climbed into the truck because it's that big. And uh, I started heading for home. And I'm watching, as I'm coming southbound on Garnett, because I only live about four or five miles down, I'm watching that storm come. And I'm like, well, that's moving pretty quick. <laughs> Wow. Can I just say that the stoplight at 81st and Garnett is slower than molasses in January? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm waiting, like, come on, 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 come on. Because I'm watching this storm that's coming across, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. So finally it goes green, and I'm ready to punch it, and I realize that one of Tulsa's finest has pulled up behind me. Doggone it. <laughs> be pushing the speed limit today. 
So I'm just kind of, the funny part was, I'm watching the storm, you know, imagine me going southbound, I'm watching the storm like this, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and that police officer behind me, he's looking that direction too. <laughs> so pretty much everybody's focused on that. I don't think he would have cared had I been over the, he wanted to get wherever he was going as well. And so anyway, I, I was talking to, I called my wife, and she goes, yep, we're, we're, we're down there. I said, okay, I was never so glad to pull into my neighborhood. Um, with, with that thing coming because I got into the driveway, opened the door, grabbed my gear, closed it, locked the door. I'm not sure why I did that to keep the storm out or something. I'm not sure. And I go into the backyard and, and, and open up and, 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 and there's my, you know, my three girls with very relieved faces. And apparently I had a relieved look on my face too because, okay, at least we're together. So, you know, we're, it, it's good. And as, as I was climbing down into that hole, <clears throat> closing the lid over the top of us, and we're sitting there talking, because again, we're still not sure exactly what's happening, and all of the weather reports are, we're not sure what's happening, and because okay, it's moving so fast. I thought to myself, I was really glad on that trip to be in a vehicle that was up a little bit higher and had so much steel around it. Now, now look, you know, here, here's the thing, here's the thing. I, I understand that if if the express to Oz is coming your direction, it doesn't matter if you're in a Sherman tank. You're probably going to get picked up and taken to the, to the wizard, right? I understand that. But there was something about the fact that I had extra metal, and it was up a little bit higher, and I could see things better than if I were in my little tiny Honda. It was just something about that change in perspective that gave me just a little more confidence. It's not that it changed the storm, as it were, but rather it changed my perspective on it. Does that make sense? It's just amazing how an extra, well, I guess two or three feet, <laughs> now that I think about it, you know, really changes what your perspective is. And I've been thinking that, you know, the last couple of, of weeks have really been... Um, Interesting. You, you, you open up the, the well, newspaper, but if you look online or however you get your news, there's still a whole bunch of wars being fought around the world. There's terrorism. There's things that are, that are happening overseas, and, and we get little bits and pieces of it. Uh, those of us who listen to NPR during the day, we also get the BBC, and so we hear about things that you know, we don't necessarily get on the, on the American news channels. And, and you just kind of listen and go, oh, my goodness, the world is just kind of falling apart. And then on top of it, just, you know, nationally here in the United States, both, both major political parties has, have, have chosen their candidates for the presidency of the United States. And by the way, they are the most least liked presidential candidates in the history of elections, or at least as long as people have, have been, you know, tracking that kind of data. And so we have that that's going on. And then even more, you know, closer to home, the state of Oklahoma is still dealing with a financial crisis, and it's affecting the school districts. And, oh, yeah, by the way, school starts in a couple of weeks. How many of you are ready for that? Wow, what happened this summer? <laughs> My goodness. It's been hot for so long, you'd think that we'd be used to it by now. My wife was kind of talking about, you know, the, the fact that we're in that season, maybe you have this too, where it feels like all you're doing is spending a lot of money, right? 
I don't know what it is about this time of year, but there seems like there's the school supplies, and then there's the fees, and then there's, and, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And you know what was really amazing is this last week I, I opened up my journal, and I looked at a journal entry that I did on the same day a year ago. And I was just kind of skimming through it in just that period, I mean, two or three days running around in there. And I noticed that the thing that I was planning on writing about that day was exactly the same thing that was in 2015. As, as if that issue, whatever it was, I don't even remember what it was off the top of my head, but whatever it was just kind of bubbled up to the surface again. And I thought, maybe it's just August. Maybe just August is that, that kind of year for, for that sort of thing. And, I, I, and then on, on top of all of that, I had probably three, four, maybe five conversations with people that I know, people that I'm close to, that are just struggling right now for a variety of different things. And, and that none of it, I mean, some of it is, is, is bad, some of it's agitating, some of it is potentially life-altering for them, and I just, I thought to myself, you know what, you know what I really need today? I need some encouragement. You know what I'm saying? I just need encouragement. See, in, in, in preaching circles, the, the big thing is to have practical application, something that you know, people can take with them and apply to their day life. You know what? Some days, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want practical application. Some days, I just want to know that God's still on the throne, and that I'm going to be okay. How about you? And today feels like one of those kinds of days to me. I'm like, I just, I just want to be encouraged. I just want to remember some of those things. And so I thought what I would do is, is at least change our perspective a little bit, maybe get a little bit higher for a moment. Maybe that'll build a little bit of confidence in us as we continue to, to travel. And I, and I want to draw your attention to, to two pretty familiar passages. Neither one of them will be uh, anything that you haven't heard before. But I just want to kind of go back to these old chestnuts and... and Maybe take a look at them again. So your know, first one, join me in Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. You can plug that into your phone, or if you're old school, you can pull out your Bible. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah is a prophet, and he is speaking to a, a nation uh, called Judah. And at this point in history, Judah is under threat from another superpower. They very realistically could be completely overrun by, um, by this other nation. And there's, there's a, a great deal of angst in the country, and rightly so. And nobody really knows what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. And so this prophet comes on the scene, and he speaks words of comfort to this nation. And I want you to, to see this. We're going to be right towards the end of chapter 40 beginning with verse 28. Let me read this. Let me make some comments as we go along. I want you to see this. Here's what the prophet says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. So he begins with these two rhetorical questions. He goes, well, you don't, you don't know this? You, you haven't heard this? The Lord is the everlasting God. It means he hasn't changed at all. He's still around. He's still there. How many of you need that today? Yes, me too. 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. In other words, what he's trying to say to us, God is not like us. He's different. In case you forgot, he doesn't have the same concerns that you do. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't wake up blurry-eyed in the morning. And no one really understands what he understands. Verse 29, he says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. So he's not tired, and if you are, that's okay because he can take care of that. And I love this in verse, verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Because, you know, the things that we look for are youthful energy and youthful strength and youthful vigor, and even those have limitations compared to what God can offer. But verse 31 is the pivot point, and this is where I want to camp out for just a couple of minutes. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. How many of you have heard this verse before? It was made into a song, right? And we've sung that around here. But what's interesting here is that but those who hope, or, or in, in some translations it says, for those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Well, a couple of things here. First of all, the word renew, because um, this was originally written in Hebrew, that word, uh, renew, carries with it the idea of exchange. So it's not just that you will get this, but you will exchange your tiredness for some energy. Does that make sense? For some strength which is kind of a beautiful thought. So it's not just like, you know, shazam, and then you've got it, but rather, hey, this tiredness that you, you've felt gets exchanged for strength. But the other piece in here that I find just absolutely fascinating is the word that's used for um, either weight or hope, depending on, on the translation. It carries with it an idea of expectation. And it is perfectly acceptable to translate this for those who expect the Lord. Those who expect the Lord. And I don't know, you know, you know, where you are with that, but I find that's actually very helpful to think about. Because those people who expect the Lord, it says, will mount up with wings like eagles, or in, in this translation, will soar. I, I looked at this Hebrew phrase, and it's really difficult to translate. But the image that's being um, communicated here is one, if you can imagine, an eagle coming along uh, water and reaching with the talons and grabbing a fish and taking off with it. Okay, so it's not like, um, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien and you're riding the back of the, of the eagle. <laughs> it's not like that at all, if you've seen the movies. But rather, it's more like the fish... In the, in the eagle's talon. Did you see that? Okay. In other words, the fish has no power to do it. The fish is merely along for the ride. The prey that's in the eagle's talons is what's 
uh, doesn't have any choice in the matter. It's something that happens because of what the eagle is doing. Do you understand that? So people who wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength and they'll be taken up. Does that make sense? Because it's not something that we do, it's something that he does. And he will if we expect that. Does it make sense? It's a beautiful image. It's a powerful image. Now, let me, th- let me uh, change gears a little bit. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews for the moment. Because we go from this, this Old Testament prophet, Isaiah, and now we're going to jump forward to this unknown but genius writer of the book of Hebrews. He makes a really interesting comment. Most of you have seen this before in the 11th chapter, verse 1 makes this comment. He says, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he goes on, he talks about this idea of faith. But, but notice this, this verse here. Now, faith is being sure of what we, here's the word, hope for. Now, this part of the book is not written in Hebrew. It's written in Greek, but interestingly enough, the Greek word carries with it the idea of expectation. And I think that's uh, helpful for us because now faith is being sure of what we expect for, what we hope for, and certain of what we do not necessarily see. Or I I like uh, another translation of evidence or conviction of what we do not see. And so we see that this idea of faith and idea of hope are linked together. Do you see that? Okay? Those two things are, are, are together. And especially when we don't immediately see the outcome. How many of you love to immediately see the outcome? How many of you actually get to see immediately the outcome? <laughs> right? It doesn't happen very often. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. We don't like to wait. Case in point, the light at 81st and Garnett. Okay? Here I am tapping um, the, the steering wheel. Come on, 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 come on. But I expected the light to change. Right? If I didn't expect the light to change, there's a good chance I would have hit the gas and gone anyway and probably caused an accident but I waited for something that I expected. Does that make sense? I hoped that it would change faster than it did, but I knew that it was going to change. I understood that. You know, if the you know, power went out or something, obviously that would change the ball game, and then you're kind of dependent on what everybody else does. But if, if you don't expect those things to happen, we make choices that sometimes are very detrimental to ourselves, don't we? That's why it's really dumb to run a red light. It's really a bad decision to do. So we expect that that light to change. And so the thing to remember is that if you have hope without expectation, what you really have is just a wish. That's all it is. And I wish that that light would change, but I expected that it would, and so I made my decision to wait and go at a safe time, even though... I knew that storm was coming. Are you tracking with me? Does this make sense? Okay. And I think that when we, we start to, to look at how this idea of faith and hope are put together, 
um, it's helpful because it seems to me that some of you today fall into maybe one of these categories. Some of you who are disheartened or discouraged. Some of you might be disappointed. Some of you might be disillusioned. Some of you might be desperate. It happens because we live in this world. And sometimes things don't work out quite the way we want them to, do they? We, we get discouraged because things don't go as we planned or, 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 or at least the way we would prefer them to go. And we're disillusioned with things like politics or disillusioned with things like church or the economy or, or, our, or the companies that we work for. It, it, all of those things can come into play. And, and sometimes we're just desperate because we're overwhelmed by events or we're overwhelmed by emotions and the things that are going on around us. But perhaps this writer in Isaiah and this writer in the book of Hebrews elevates our perspective just a little bit. Maybe it gets us up off the ground. Maybe it puts a little bit of steel around us. And so what I'd like for you to do is just kind of ask yourselves a couple of questions. And here's the first one. What do you believe about God? What is it that you actually believe about God when you're, when you're in the midst of all this stuff? Now, look, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus or if you're sitting on the fence trying to decide if you're a follower of Jesus. One of the questions you can ask yourself is, what do I believe about God? Is God the one that we read about, the one that we've experienced, the ones that other people have talked about, is that God good? Is that God good? And more importantly, in this case, does he care about you? What do you believe about God? Do you believe that he is good? Do you believe that he cares about you? Well, I know what my answer is. You've got to come to your own conclusion, but my answer is yes, because he showed me that he was good and that he cared about me in Jesus. And Jesus gave me a way to connect back to God that I didn't have on my own. But what do you believe about God? Is he good and does he care about you? Here's the second question. <laughs> what do you expect of God? Ooh, I'm going to meddle now. What do you expect of God? If, if God is good and if, and if God cares about you, the question is, is God passive about that or is he active about it? Do you see the difference? If he's good and he cares about you, that's fine. But if he's not active about it, I'm not sure it necessarily benefits any of us. Because then he's just kind of like this master clockmaker who puts the systems in order and just sets it off and doesn't interact with it anymore. And if he's active, is he, is he even active? This is a harder question. Is he active when you don't see it? That one's hard. Or is it just waiting for the light to change? Is it that kind of a thing? 
You're expecting it to. But what do you expect of God? Do you expect him to act? Do you expect him to be moving and working in the background even when you don't see it? Well, again, I know what my conclusion is, and that's yes, because most of the people that are in this room have had some kind of story where they went through something and they didn't understand that God was at work until they got to the other side of it. I was trying to explain to some friends recently that God is a drama king. He always waits till the last minute. God, I hate that. <laughs> and yet, if he wasn't, I wouldn't trust him. And that's the third question that we have to ask. What do you believe of God? What do you expect of God? And depending on what your answers are, do you trust him? Especially when you don't immediately see what that outcome actually is. Are you going to trust God? Because, you know, there comes a point, and I'm, I'm no different than anybody else, where I, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of the circumstances. I don't like the circumstances. I would really like to remove myself from those circumstances. And yet... I have to believe that God is still active in those things because I read stuff in here that tell me that he is. So what am I going to do? What am I going to believe? What am I going to trust? My own feelings? <laughs> oh, man. Um, like most human beings, I'm a bit fickle. And the things that I'm interested in change from moment to moment sometimes. So am I going to trust my own feelings that go up and down and up and down? Or am I going to trust the things that I read? And do I trust the stories that I hear? Do I trust my own memories of how I, about how God has, has moved and, and acted? So three questions. What do you believe about God? What do you expect of God? And are you going to trust God? <clears throat> now, as a church, as a group of people, um, our responsibility, or maybe I should say our aspiration, is that we would all represent Jesus to the people around us. And, 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 and I think there are some, some very real ways that, that we can do that. So you might want to write these down, and if they apply to your life today, awesome. The, the, first, the first real way that we can, we can encourage one another is to be with each other. Just to be with each other. Um, sometimes we call this being in community with one another. It means to hang out. It means to make room or make time for others, to let others in and then be involved in other people's lives. Because I will tell you what, in our world today, it is very challenging to do that. I'm not sure being too busy is something to be proud of. I've done my very level best when people ask me, how are you, to not say I'm busy. Here's the second thing. Is that not only are we with each other, but we care about each other. Actually care about them. I was, I was reminded of, of Paul's um, letter to the Corinthians, the first one he wrote. In the 13th chapter, that's the one that everyone gets read at their wedding, right? The love chapter. The very last line uses some very, very um, important language to what we're talking about. 
And now in the end, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But here's the thing, and we all get wrapped up in this idea of the greatest being love. The point is, is that you still got all three that you got to deal with. It's not just the love part. Yeah, it's the greatest, but that doesn't diminish the power of faith and hope. And faith is really about belief, and hope is about expectation. It is very difficult to love someone else if you don't have an expectation of God and if you have no belief in God. Can you do it? Sure. But I think it's very, very difficult. If you want to love like God loves, then you have to actually have faith and expectation that God, in God, and expectation that God is going to move on behalf of those people. Do you understand that? Those three things are connected together. So how are you going to care about people really and truthfully in the way that Jesus wants us to care about each other without this idea of believing that God is good and having an expectation that he actually actively participates in the lives of human beings? Fascinating. Hmm. So faith, hope, and love. Belief, expect, and then act. And here's the third thing that you can do. <laughs> pray. And I'm not doing that just because preachers always say pray. You're supposed to do that. I'm saying it because when we pray, we, you, there's, there's different ways to do this, but, but first and foremost is pray for that person. Please help fill in the blank. Please help that person. God, I believe you are good, that you care about that individual. I expect you to be active in their life because you care about them. Would you please help them? And here's the other place that you can do this, and this is the one where it gets really, really tricky because we're so busy. Don't just pray that, that God would help them. Ask God how you can be Jesus to them. There are times as a, as a pastor that my wife and I hear about circumstances that break our heart and we have no idea what to do. None. I like to fix things. And there are some things I can't fix. And so we have to pray, God, you do your part. And please show us what our part is. It's a real practical thing to do. But here's what, here's what happens, though. We begin to hope, we begin to expect God to answer both those prayers, that he's going to intervene on their behalf and he's going to show us the places where we can join him in that process. And somehow that builds my faith too. Okay, so if I'm praying for them, there's a good chance somebody's going to be praying for me and we're all going to be okay. We're all going to get through this. We're all going to be able to follow Jesus. We are going to be better people for it. Even though I don't fully understand the process and I don't like the process and I don't really know what the outcome is going to be, but I do know that God is good and that he cares about me and he wants what's best for my life. And I think that's an encouraging thought. Now, here's the thing. Hanging out with each other, 
caring about each other and praying for each other may or may not change the storm because it's coming. But it reminds us that we know the one who can change the storm. And that is encouraging.